Before I get started today, I, I have a confession to make. Always scary when the pastor says that, I'm sure. I'm, I'm suffering from a hangover this morning. Uh, it's a peculiar hangover. It's a, it's a pity party hangover. So I'm going to ask you to do me a great favor this morning. First of all, I'm going to ask you to forgive me for, uh, well, please forgive me. I'm going to ask Christine if you would come stand by me. I'm going to ask you to forgive me. I'm going to ask you to also pray for us. We had a disagreement last night, and, and the disagreement in, in marriage is not abnormal. It's, it's, part of the, it's part of the gig of growing closer together. We professed our love for each other this morning and our commitment to each other, but you know, she, Christine had to go to work, and we didn't, we didn't have time to process it last night. We didn't have time to process it this morning, so there, there's still conversation that needs to happen about the disagreement, about the misunderstanding about not being able to communicate and understand each other. But I, I, I'm big on proclamations, and, and I want to make one, because, see, the slightest crack that you, we can give to the enemy, especially during this season in America, where marriage has been assaulted and tried... And it is being tried to be defined as something else. But only God gets to define what marriage is. I would I like you to pray for us. Uh, again, this this is a we don't want to give any entrance to the enemy in, in this. And we want to make a proclamation. So I'm gonna ask the leaders of the church to come and pray for us because and I want to as Symbolically of all our marriages and all our future marriages. And you can stay there. I'll come. We'll come to you. I know. I saw you started to jump, and I'd love to see you jump. I want to see you jump. But. So. Yes, I will scoot in. So, again, this is symbolic of all our marriages. And the marriages are yet to happen in in, in the future. So let's just pray that God covers and protects our marriages. Mm -hmm. Amen. Lord, we we know that Satan's biggest attack in our country right now is against marriage. And he knows, Lord, that if he can get in between the husband and the wife, that everything else in in the home just kind of falls apart. Yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you for Jay's heart. I thank you for Chris's heart, Lord God. Because, Lord, I know their hearts are in the right place, Lord. They're looking to you. And, Lord, you know, as Jay said, disagreements in marriage are normal. That that happens when any two people get together. They're not going to agree on everything. But I thank you that their hearts are one. They're one in you, Lord. And that's what we continue to pray for them, Lord God, that their hearts would just remain in you and that they will know that they are pleasing you and doing your will in everything that they're doing. 
Yes, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're famous even in the church for taking Ephesians chapter 5 and mm-hmm. having women tell their husbands what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and having their husbands tell wives what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But that's not what Ephesians 5 is all about. Even before those verses is Ephesians 5.20, which Mm. says, Submit to each other out of love for Christ. That's right. That's right. So we start there, Lord, Mm -hmm. because we know if that's in place, everything else will follow. Mm -hmm. So I thank you that Jay and Chris are so willing to submit to each other. Yes, Lord. And not hit each other hit each other over the head with a Bible about what the other one is supposed to be doing. Mm. But first they submit themselves to you, and then they submit themselves to each other, and we know that everything else is going to fall into place. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you that they model this so well for us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they are such a great example to us of your love. Their love for you and their love for each other. And I thank you so much for their genuineness and their authenticity and their willingness to share who they are with us. Thank you, and we just thank you so much for them. Thank and you, we Jesus. Just pray your blessings upon them, your mercy and your grace upon them, mm. and openness and words to speak to each other. Yes, Lord. And thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We just thank you. Thank, thank you for the special gift that they are to us. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the uh, openness, the transparency, uh, which is what we can be in you, Lord. Not Mm. um, to be um, hiding in places of darkness, Lord, but uh, bringing things into the light of your presence, because that light is a light of love and care and compassion, Lord. And that uh, in all situations of relationship, Lord, even in our relationship with you, we have those times of struggle. Yes. Uh, Those times when, uh, like stormy clouds, there there is that sense of friction Mm. that's there. But as you show us in the natural, Lord, uh, with that can come a clearing away of what needs to be. Yes, Jesus gotten rid of, Lord, of what needs to be touched by your loving presence, Lord, that there would be your understanding, your revealing, your enlightenment, Lord. And within that aspect of revealing, Lord, comes true heartfelt understanding. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The ability to hear one another's heart and to understand one another uh, the way you understand us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Uh, with not with a sense of condemnation, mm. but with the overwhelming love that you pour out on us, Lord, enabling us not to come to you or each other mm. in fear or trepidation, but in a sense of knowing that that revelation will bring forth what is needed to uh, lay down and get rid of yes, all Jesus. that needs to be gotten rid of. Yes, Lord. That that freshness will be there, that that clarity will be there. Yes, Lord. Uh, that um, what is uh, hindering 
will be removed. Yes, Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. And that there's a deeper element of love that's brought through in that. We praise you for that. And we thank you for that, Lord. That molding, that molding in your character and nature, Lord Jesus, that uh, your Father does in us, Lord, um, that enables us to be real with one another and know that forgiveness is a part of that love. Amen. Amen. I saw your faces when I said I had a hangover. You guys were a little scared there for a minute. <laughs> so it's like, little bit going, what? Some more disclosure. When I was in school, I wasn't very good at math. Things just didn't add up. Especially in geometry, it was really, really bad. I, I, I just squeaked by algebra. I mean, I worked so hard in algebra. And I got a B, but it was, it was amazing. It was a miracle that I got a B. And, and, by, and over the summer, I forgot everything that I knew. So when I got into 10th grade geometry, I was really lost. I was, I was lost. But in typical J fashion, I thought that I could probably charm my way through a passing grade would, would, would be a funny guy, would be a jokester, would be a, a, a comedian. I figured that the teacher would probably appreciate this about me and enough to charm her into a, a good grade. And so uh, one day she, she was asking me why I was uh, struggling with doing the homework. And then I said, I, I just can't get into this textbook. I, it, it's, it's so sad. She's going, how can a, a, a math textbook be so sad? I said, it's, it's got all those problems in it. I did not charm my way into a passing grade. Uh, it, it, it didn't work. But there's this thing about multiplying that is really part of who we are as, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. And that's something I want to explore today. I'm going to need Father's help for that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you would like to bring things out in the light. And I indeed thank you for my marriage. And I thank you for the marriages in this building. The ones that are actually here and the ones that are future marriages. I thank you for that. Because this is the institution. This is the covenant relationship that you have used to give us a beautiful picture of you and the bride of Christ. And we th- Lord, we th- so we thank you for marriages. We thank you for what you speak through them and into us because of the freedom and the and the life that it brings and I, I thank you for my wife I thank you that we are able to step into the light together to, in order to, to show that we're not perfect uh, that we have things that we must work on but that we're committed to this this covenant that you call marriage so in that context in that mindset today of bringing things into the light we, we bring all of us into the light today and we say father please examine our hearts Examine our spirits, examine our motives, examine everything that is about us that might keep us from truly multiplying. Because we need to do so. It is part of who you designed us to be. So I ask, Father, as we explore your word today, that you would empty me of me. And again, fill me with yourself, with your presence, with your spirit, in order to be able to say words that all of us understand, because they're your words, your heart. And what you want to express to us because of your great love for us. Because you do desire us to be free, alive, and powerful. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. There's this thing about, you know, Michael Kimball, in one of his uh, teachings uh, last year, he said, you know, God is always multiplying. And I love that statement. It, it, it's something that I think about all the time. And, and the reason why I believe that's, that's a powerful statement for us is because I believe that's who we're meant to be also, that we're always multiplying, that there's something about us in our spiritual DNA and even in our physical DNA that's about multiplication. And on a cellular level, there's something that's called a growth factor. And I'm going to read this somewhat simplified scientific statement, okay? A growth factor is a naturally occurring substance capable of stimulating cell growth, multiplication, and healing. One of the ways it works is that growth factors send out a message to another cell and gets it to join with another one. It sends out a message to another cell and says, hey, it's okay to come alongside this cell and become part of it. Either for its multiplication or for its healing. That sounds like the church to me. That even at our base level, our physical base level, God has put a substance into us that enables us to multiply on a cellular level. And that's the whole picture that he puts into the church. We read the book of Acts and we see this image over and over again. The early church is multiplying off the charts. Huge amount of multiplication. Again and again, throughout the book of Acts, we see words like, they multiplied greatly. Multitudes of both men and women. A great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And they increased in numbers daily. There's nothing about subtraction there. There's nothing about going backwards there. As a matter of fact, the, the increase in of this multiplication is so great, in 300 years, 53% of the known world is serving Jesus Christ. Just 300 years. Because of this multiplication that happened with about 120 people at the start. Really, 12 people at the start. Really, 13 people at the start. Really, one person at the start. Multiplication is supposed to be part of what we're made to do. What we've been given power to do. What we've been given freedom to do. What we've been given life to do. And the, the wonderful stories that we read in the book of Acts, this wonderful blueprint, if you will, of what God has given us is amazing to me. The more I look at it, the more I see, wow, it's there for us to understand. It's for us there to embrace. And I, so I want to talk about some, some growth factors in the book of Acts. I'm going to talk about growth first begins with God and is led by His Spirit. You know, that God has sent us on a mission and He keeps us. 
on a mission. You know, the, Jesus gave the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world and make disciples, preaching the gospel. That was his, that was his message. That was his thing. And the Holy and he, uh, he reaffirms this message in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The introduction of the Holy Spirit is, is part of the mission plan that Jesus knew that we were going to need in order to multiply. Because what happens in the book of Acts is these wonderful pinpoint stories where all of a sudden you see the Holy Spirit specifically leading them to do one thing, go one place, not go to another place. They are being led by the Spirit and multiplying all the time. Specifically, things like in Acts 13, 2, where it says, And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, See, this whole devotedness to prayer and to worship, this, is, this, this devotion thing releases the Spirit in us. He said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. You see, crazy things like Philip, in the midst of a citywide evangelism push, be directed to go start running towards a chariot in the middle of a desert to, to talk to a, you, uh, a person who's reading these scrolls who doesn't understand them, wants to know about God. He explains about God. that this, this guy gets baptized on the side of the road, and Peter does what he... I'm not Peter. Philip does. He disappears. Now, I've been praying for transportation like that for years. <laughs> Things like this, being led by the Spirit... To this place, to that place, begins this multiply, multiplication thing. Um, it's just a marvelous, wonderful thing. So it begins with God. It is led by the Spirit. But growth requires devotion. Acts 2.42 says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. The commitment... And the devotion, the investment, and that word devotion means, means uh, to be invested in, uh, to the apostles' teaching. Teaching was huge to them. It was extremely important to them. Can you imagine why? A lot of things are happening right now in, in, the, in the early church. Great opposition. But they're not learning about their Jewish heritage. They're not going to the Torah to learn here. What are they learning about? They're learning about Jesus. The death and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus is fresh still in their minds. And they're still trying to wrap their heads around what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the apostles still are trying to wrap their head about what it means to follow Christ. Because you see them being self-corrected by the Holy Spirit here throughout the story of Acts. So they have to devote themselves to this because it's so needed to where they are right now in their life. So they devote themselves to it. They invest in it because they know that this is the way to go. That there's no going back to other things. There's only going forward in Christ. It has to be that way. Absolutely. Devoted to the teachings. That's why. Okay, they were invested in building community. The, 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 this fellowship, this koinonia was that word means an active participation and a partnership with. 
So this fellowship that they were building, this was a partnership. This was an active participation of every member into this fellowship, this community building. They realized that multiplication needed all of them for it to happen. So this, they were building, they were invested in building community. We already discussed that prayer was such, a, was such an essential part of this. It says that they, they were devoted to the prayers. Not to praying, but to the prayers. The prayers, the three times a a day that they prayed, prayed at the temple. The prayers. They were devoted to it. They were devoted to praying with one another. They were devoted to praying from house to house. But they also stayed devoted to praying in the temple three times a day. Part of the Jewish heritage for sure. Important to them. But they were shown a witness in Jerusalem that their devotion to God was real. And that and to, to reach Jewish mindsets. Well, where else better to meet Jewish mindsets than in the temple? So they were committed to the prayers. To, to This was an important part of the whole culture, but it was part of what they were trying to dismiss, this signal to another cell that, you know, this is the way to come back to Jesus. This is the way to know the Messiah fully. This investment of theirs was a, was a statement of love. It was a statement of love. It was, it, this was the signal that they were trying to send out to the other cells, the message they were trying to, to get other cells to come and line themselves with them. This, it was a message of love. This is what it's about. That's what devotion is about. It, devotion is about love. Okay, here is the one I really want to concentrate on, the growth factor that growth flows from our walk with God. Acts 9.31 says this, Then the churches... Throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. And the churches now. There's plural by chapter 9. Because opposition has hit the church in the form of Saul. Saul had, was the leader of the opposition movement at this time. He took up the leadership. He was pulling people out of their homes. He was throwing them in jail. Man, Stephen, by this time, has been stoned and martyred. The church scattered. It left Jerusalem. It went to all the places that Jesus said that he would need to go into. In the past, when the disciples scattered from Jesus on the, on the night that he was betrayed, they scattered and hid. Now the church scatters and preaches the gospel wherever they find themselves. It's a wonderful picture of what's going on here. But it says the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, they had peace. And the King James Version says had rest. Had rest. Why did they have rest? Paul has now been converted by this time. You know, he has met Jesus on the road. He has... Come to Christ. So the leader of the opposition is, well, he's not leading the opposition anymore. And, and, and so the opposition has kind of lost his focus a little bit here. So the church actually had peace for a season. This is also important historically because at this time, the Jewish religious leaders had another issue on their hands. The emperor of Rome wanted to set up a statue in the temple for the people to, to worship of himself. 
You can imagine that the Jewish leaders were not too thrilled about this idea. And so now their attention is off the church that has grown, the new religion. It's completely off it. The leader of the opposition has been taken out of the picture. And right now they have a bigger problem on their hands when the Roman emperor wanted to desecrate the temple. So historically and, and biblically, there's, there's been something to, to give the church an opportunity to excel, to take a breath, reassess where they are. And it says they were edified. That word edify means to encourage and build each other up. But what it really means is to establish and to promote growth. So the edification process that they were going on was not just to say, hey, it's going to be okay. What it was going to say was, you know what? What do we need to grow next? How do we encourage each other to grow? What is the next steps that we're going to take? This is what this word is meaning right now. To establish something, the next step is what they're trying to establish. We're going to take this opportunity to edify each other, to build each other up, because we know that this is just a season of peace. See, they understood what they were up against, though. The word walk means to order one's life and to travel, of course, but to travel with someone who's leading you. To travel with someone who's leading you. But to travel with someone who is leading you, who you have thrown your allegiance to. It's a powerful word, this word walk. It's not just I'm taking a trip, I'm going along for the ride, so to speak. I, no, I am walking with you because I'm following you because I believe in you. So I'm going to set my life in order after this. To order one's life. So they're walking in what? Two things here, and I think these are the two biggest growth factors that we can, that we can understand and hopefully embrace today. Because it says, because they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Two growth factors that are just immense. So I wanted to talk about fear of God. Because I really actually do believe that the American church, especially has lost this. That we no longer truly understand, as, as an American church, the fear of the Lord. In simple terms, the fear of the Lord is not this cowering, I'm afraid to be in your presence. It's this, I am so overwhelmed by your might by your power, by your holiness, by your righteousness, that I am all short. I am complete all of you. I, I have no words. I have no thoughts. I have no emotions. I have no opinions. Everything is overwhelmed being in your presence because you're that big. That's the fear of the Lord that is talking about here. Is that, that this fear is so potent in our lives that it changes the way we walk. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we act because we're so 
so reverent of him and of his ways that we want to walk, travel with him, align ourselves with him in such a manner that our life reflects the same thing. That is the fear of the Lord. And we have lost that in the American church. The past 40 to 50 years, you can see the effects of this and some of the recent decisions that have been made in this country because of it. We have to get back to the fear of the Lord. The wonderful second part of this, walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It seems strange that these two things are together at first reading, but, but it's perfect of God. It's, it's marvelous of God's heart to put these two things together. Because the word comfort here means to call near. The call near. It would seem like God is sending a mixed message here. Because really to, to, to be in the presence of God, fully real, realizing the, the awesomeness of His, could leave you undone. And probably should. And that's what God is calling us to draw near to. He doesn't want us to be afraid of Him. So here he's, he's reminding us that, uh, that I'm calling you near and I'm going to give you encouragement, encouragement that persuades you, that convinces you of who I am. The comfort that draws you closer to me and makes you realize the awesomeness of me is not meant to chase you away. It's meant to actually bring you closer because I'm the only one that can change your life. I'm that big. And I want to persuade you of that fact so that you never doubt this again. See, walking in the fear of the Lord is, is reverent. It's understand His righteousness. It's to try to become holy as even as He is holy. Trying to walk that way, but it's the comfort that draws us to Him in order for that process to even happen. It's His kindness that leads us to what? Repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. God is always drawing us closer. And because these two powerful expressions, the early church multiplied. Because they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. When sin entered the world, it totally corrupted everything. Even our ability to multiply. And this sin is this awful corruption of almost all the processes of life. So even at our own cellular level, if a cancer cell exists and spreads... It sends a message of what? Death and destruction and fear. Not only to us physically, but mentally and emotionally. That C word, as some of us know in this room, is very scary. We don't want cancer cells to multiply. It's not good that cancer cells multiply. 
If we allow fears and doubts and worries and, and anxiety to consume us, to multiply unchecked and uncontrolled in our lives, it makes us extremely sick and vulnerable and decrease in every aspect of our life. This is what, this is what sin does. Sin tries to misrepresent God's word, who God is. And when people walk in sin, instead of walking in the fear of the Lord, you get this kind of thing that Isaiah speaks about. Isaiah 5.20 says this, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good, and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. When people don't walk in the fear of the Lord, this, is, this, this becomes the message that they send to other selves. And that's what we see. All the more reason for the church to walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So that we send out a message of truth, light. It's why we do make proclamations about who we are in Christ. And we don't back down from it. What I love about studying the early church, and I don't want to romanticize, because they had flaws too. They did. Lots of them. We get to read about them. But what I love about them is their passion and devotion to Christ. It is off the charts here. There's immense occupation and danger for them. They're they're being opposed at every juncture, words, actions, deeds, everything in question about their motives and their hearts and their... And what I see about them is that here they're mostly Jewish at this point. Still embracing being Jews, but they're holding less tightly to the less and less to the traditions. And holding and clinging on to Jesus more. They're not less Jewish, they're just more like Jesus. So the Torah is still important, but but not compared to Jesus. See, praying in a temple is important three times a day. It's important to them, but not more than Jesus. I see them less concerned about what the government says they can or cannot do. I see them less occupied with worrying about what the church tells them, that their church, their, their religious leaders tells them what to do at this point. But they are embracing the Messiah. They're not trying to be disobedient to the authorities. They're not trying to rile up the religious leaders. But they're just trying to be like Jesus. Because Jesus said this, If I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. So they're not lifting up the Torah. They're not lifting up the law. They're not lifting up traditions. They're lifting up Jesus. And it's drawing people by the droves to the kingdom. Multitudes of men and women. A great number. Many were added to their... Numbers day by day. Because they were lifting the name of Jesus up in the way that they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. 
I love being an American. I really love living in this country. I can't imagine living in any other country. I love the privilege and the honor it is to vote. I love the democratic process. I love the, most of the history of the United States. I love being an American. But if I lift up the Constitution higher than the cross, I'm in error. If I lift up my own personal rights guaranteed by the Bill of Rights, I am in higher than the cross, I am in error. If I worry about more about my rights as an American citizen, more than my responsibility and obligation to walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I more than Jesus, I am in error. It is great to be an American citizen. But first and foremost, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And if we want to multiply, I really believe this, if we want to multiply, we have to get back to walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And they were multiplied. They are about to come out of that season of peace and face great opposition again. I don't know if we're in America, in America, if we're in a season of peace. I don't even know if we're in a season of persecution or somewhere in between. I really don't know. I have a prophetic feeling that we're somewhere in the middle. I think there's a little low on things, even though things seem to be stirred up because of the latest decision. But for but my prophetic sense seems like we have a great opportunity here to edify one another. To build each other up. To, to remind each other what, we're, what has been already established in us, for us, and through us. To remind each other that if we lift up the name of Jesus, if we filter everything, our thoughts, our opinions, our emotions, everything through the cross, we're going to send a message that's going to attract other people to join cells together. And we will multiply. I believe in America, is, this is the greatest time to live right now. The church has a huge opportunity to change this country for the gospel. We do. And it won't take 300 years. It is speeding up. Our opportunity is here. It presents itself daily. How will, how will we send a message out? What will our growth factor? What is that substance about us that will convince people, even though we might have disagreeing opinions about a political stance or even a spiritual stance? What is it about our lives that will convince people to come to the kingdom, to come to Jesus, to come to the cross, to come and repent from the things that they need to in order to enter the kingdom, to to leave the effects of sin behind and the walk of sin behind, to, to come into the freedom and the power and the life that Jesus Christ wants for them? What is it about? What is that substance? It's love. Jesus said, They will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Jesus says that if you love the Father with all that you are, 
If you love God with all that you are, that is the greatest commandment. But you know what? You need to also love your neighbor. So how, how can we do this? <laughs> That's the great question of all time. How can we do this? I said it before. Our devotion to prayer. Like that. They showed the way. Being devoted to prayer. Devoted to teaching, not to my teaching or Mike's teasing, teaching. It's just teaching. This is it. You guys are wise, smart people. You understand the scriptures. You can discern the times. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. We're really a force that can't be stopped. I don't care what judicial system, what government tries to impose on this nation. They can't get to redefine stuff. Only God defines stuff. Only that word defines what marriage is. Nobody else gets that, right? I don't care what law they pass. Does it matter? Does it change who we are? Of course not. Did the laws and the opposition change who they were? They stuck to their core beliefs to the point of death. They didn't change their message, what the government said they could do, what the religious leaders said they could do or had to stop doing. What are we worried about? Losing freedom? Losing rights? What did Jesus say? Don't worry about who can take your life. But worry about the fact that your name is written in the book of life. My brothers and sisters, we have this great opportunity even in our small little town of High Park or our town of Pisco, or our town of Hopo Junction or town of Red Hook. Whatever towns we happen to, to live in across the river. We have this great opportunity. And daily by daily, you know, this this great personal relationship with the Holy Spirit that guides us and He promises to put words in our mouth when we have none. The one who will speak to our hearts when our heart is so against someone because of the lifestyle they live or, or, or how they talk or how they treat us. God can change our hearts and that's what prayer does. It changes our hearts. I believe with all my heart if we get back to walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, not only will this small band of believers increase, but I really believe that the body of Christ of America will change and will be able to send a message that's love, that changes people's mindsets, changes their hearts, helps people repent, come to the kingdom, and increase and multiply by great numbers. That's the opportunity that's laid before us. Let's just pray that that comes, that it happens. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you spoke to us and that you continue to speak to us. We pray, Father, that we would understand your words better. 
that we will devote ourselves to studying your word like never before, that we would devote ourselves to prayers, devote ourselves to building community, devote ourselves to, to the truth and to living in such a geez, reverent life, awestruck by your power, by your might, by your love, by your mercy, by everything that you are, that it would change the way that we walk, that we would align ourselves with you and travel with you. That we would accept the, the invitation to draw near, to be comforted by you, to be persuaded by you of all the things in our own life that we must get rid of, that we must surrender, that we must repent from ourselves in order to be more like you. We pray for that first, here, in ourselves, in our small body of believers. And we pray for our, the church of High Park. We, we ask that you would help us to repent and to, to come to you and say, Father, cleanse us so that we can be the kind of cell and the kind of growth factor that attracts other cells to you. Father, let us be part of that invitation in such a way that people can tell that we love each other. That people can tell that we love them by our words, by our actions. That we would not stray from the truth. That we would hold on to core values stronger and tightening. We would cling to those things. And we would lift only up the name of Jesus above all other names, above all other things. The cross. Lord, we ask your help in all this because we can't do it without you. Thank you for sending us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. So, Father, I thank, you for, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for the Maris and the Kimballs and the Lesitos uh, and the Milroys and all the other people who are not with us. Today. Bless them. Be with them. Comfort them. Help them to learn more about you. Open up their spirits and their hearts. For, but I pray, Father, that wherever we're gathered, wherever we're gathered in your name, we will lift you up and we will speak your truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.